Bucky's Basement. Welcome to this week's episode of Bucky's Basement. I'm Bucky, and as always in the basement with me today, we have Old Boy. That's me. And Juicebox. This whole world, wild and hard and weird on top. That's how I'm feeling today. Hell yeah, that's how we're all feeling, because we are back in the cage for... God I can't stop it. saying it. For another episode of Casting Cage, um, where we you know, love to review these movies in chronological order. We'll skip a few things that you don't care about. (laughs) Um, But we will get right to the meat and potatoes of what the actor, the famous actor, Nicolas Cage, has been up to. And right now, we've just entered 1990. Yeah. And boy, have we. And a good director. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of I mean, cutting his cloth there, right? No, I don't. I don't think cutting his cloth. I think this is almost like peak Lynch for us. Like his. This is like yeah. This is him. Premier. This is pre- yeah. This kind of premiere him, right? This is right after, um, or right maybe even when Twin Peaks was going on. Ooh, so okay. Twin Peaks, like his original Twin Peaks movie, and then that TV series, like he was blowing up. I feel yep, like at yeah. this time. So they. You know, this movie came out right in that time, and I think he made another Twin Peaks. I think he made the Twin Peaks movie after this, actually. Sweet. So, with this whole experiment of the Nicolas Cage, you know, podcast, what we're doing, you know, Casting Cage or the episodes we call this, you know, we started in 1983 with Valley Girl, then we fast forwarded a little bit to 86 with Peggy Sue Got Married, uh, 87 Moonstruck, 88 Vampires Kiss. Ooh, I missed. Uh, uh, Raising Arizona, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's somewhere somewhere in, there. in there. Yeah, the greatest one. Uh, 89's Time to Kill, and now we're in 1990 with David Lynch's, uh, I don't even Wild know what to heart. call this. It's well, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart movie. And it is. Dude, th- yeah, this movie is something else. How did this movie come out in 1990, and it feels like this movie defined the 90s, I feel like, because so many movies <sighs> looked so much like this movie afterwards. It's like That's this movie point. set the style for the 90s, or That's at least the first point. half of the 90s. My movie Marriage is very much a lot of movies after the fact, but you can tell they, they borrowed something from this. Yeah. Um, I, I was... So, all honesty, I've watched this twice now. I think Juicebox told me the other day he's watched it twice. Yeah, um, It's a holy shit type. Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I feel like... I'm uh, a pretty good. Have you seen David Lynch films? I've seen Lost Highway. Um, okay, I've not seen Lost Highway, but have you seen Blue Velvet? I haven't seen Blue Velvet. Yeah, Twin I've Peaks. seen Blue Velvet. Yeah. and Twin Peaks. There, yeah. There's a lot of comparisons at, to Wild at Heart with Blue Velvet. Uh, at least I've yeah I've yeah. read a few of these. Yeah, but it is insane. So th- this is the first time that I've ever really had to deep dive into a David Lynch film. I think, and not just like For casually sure. watch it. There you go. Yeah. So when we're doing this, I'm like. Uh, zoned into these movies i make sure that everybody's in bed i make sure that i'm in a place in my house that is nowhere near where my family could possibly get right i you know turn this thing on turn the lights off i've done this for every one of these i feel like but right off the bat this wild at heart this movie opens in the most insane way 
I've seen a Nicolas Cage movie that we've done so far open. Uh, okay, and we've yeah. seen some pretty insane things in these movies that we've you know reviewed. Yeah, it's like zero to a hundred in the first two minutes. That's I, it. Yes, you hundred percent. The movie opens somewhere in North South Carolina, whatever. They're at this hotel, and you see Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern like coming down these Darns. this grand staircase, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like okay, this movie's just gonna open, you know, with you know something. They came from a dinner. They're going to a dinner, whatever. Like yeah. this is just simple. Yeah. And then, boom, like right off the bat, attempted murder on Nick Cage within 30 seconds. Switchblade, some dude pulls a knife on Nick Cage, and Nick Cage is like... He's oh, not wow. very intimidating either. No. Uh, no. Well, I think that was part of his thing. He like came up to him and was like kind of, I don't know, trying to throw him off maybe a little bit by... Shit-talking a little shit bit. Shit-talking him. But in the shit he was saying, he's like, you tried to sleep with your girlfriend's mom or something right. like, yep. it was just like a lot of shit thrown at you right there at the beginning and then Nick 30 snaps. seconds that dude gets it yeah I, I mean i murder on like attempted murder on nick cage no introduction on any of these characters <laughs> no, right? no that, that's what blows Zero me away establishment. yeah uh laura dern then screaming like right off the bat and then uh, uh nick cage brutally beats his attacker to death like yeah like brutally, takes, like brutally. takes out the back of his head, uh, and brutally it is graphic. Beats him yeah. to death with his own hands. I was not ready for that at all. Nope. And then uh, his name's Sailor in this movie. Yeah. So immediately, my thought after the first one minute and a half, right, maybe of this movie, I said the exercise of reviewing Nick's Ca- Nick Cage movies is really starting to pay off for me. Uh, um, like immediately. Well, all right. So the guy accuses him of sleeping with his girlfriend's mother, and then pulls a knife on him. Nick Cage beats him to death and then when he beats him to death nick cage does the nick cage point to the mother and it's like oh i'm fucking in dude yeah like, all right this is how forgot about the this point is fucking oh, happening. That, i mean that point is uh what did it come out in vampire's kiss is that the first yes. point yeah that we at see all, at alva i think he uses oh, this that's right Throughout the rest of his career, um, because he found his niche. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of niches, um, before we really get into this movie, I, I, I've got a bone to pick with the old boy and Juicebox because they say that Nick Cage picks out something in every movie. Correct. And it's his thing, right? Yep. And I think that I finally found one. Like, I, I had no idea what you guys were talking about in the first couple of podcasts. You're we like, fi- Nick Cage finds this one thing and he, like, has the director makes, you know, says, this is what I have to do. Here's my caveat. This is my, yeah, this is what what my requirement yep. to film this movie. Was it the snake skin jacket? That's definitely part of this it. This is a snake skin jacket. And for me, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom. So that jacket was actually Nick Cage's personal jacket. He asked to bring it and wear it as the character, and David Lynch was like, Okay. Yeah. That was it then. Exactly. I, I finally found one. Uh, I had to beat you guys to it because I knew you were going to bring it up. You're right. It was definitely on my notes. Um, so before we get into this whole thing, and we, we kind of teased you on the opening seg- on, on the opening scene of this movie. Right. We've kind of teased you on, you know, um, Nick Cage's niche. The opening, yeah. In this movie. Yep. But before we get into diving into the plot, talking about some of these scenes, talking about the characters and all that stuff, we have a segment on Bucky's Basement that we like to call Plot by Juicebox. Young lovers Sailor and Lula run from a variety of weirdos that Lula's mom has hired to kill Sailor. That's a plot. I mean, that's what it it is. 
you strip it down to its most simple form, and that's it. Yep. So mine's similar to that, I guess. An Elvis impersonator and his lover travel cross-country, chased by a variety of hitmen and other Lynchian characters. That's it. All Lynchian characters. Yep. Um, so weird. It, it is. It, 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 it is. There's it, it, so many good weird characters in this movie. Like, I mean, I guess with all his, every single one of his movies is like that. But right, man. you're right. But There's some incredible just... stuff here. But, but you know, I, I want to talk about this for a second. Um, if you guys are have never seen the movie Wild at Heart, it is extremely hard to find. Yeah. And after watching it, yeah. I can't figure out why because it seems like this should be in the eyes of the consumer. Like, you know, any any streaming platform would make money off of this. Well, I, I think something really valuable is hard to find, right? Like, is it? I think so, right? We found the last movie that we did, Time to Kill, which was Nick Cage's Italian movie in 1989. Right, right. There's junk that's for free on yeah. YouTube. But then the, if something's valuable, yeah, you have to... Dude, I went to like thrift store, Not thrift stores, but like... You went to an old book used stores. book and like video store. Yeah, looking for it. Couldn't find it. So I think it's more valuable rather than junk. If you want to find this movie out there, Good there luck. there is no you're going to have to download it off the internet. There's no streaming service that has it currently. We yeah. can't find it on DVD. You, you can order it. You can, you can order it, it on Amazon. But, but like who's going to do that just Blu-ray. for this podcast? It was like 30 yeah, bucks. Nobody. Nobody yeah. even listens to the podcast. Nobody has, a, nobody has a DVD player. So here's the deal. If you're listening to us right now and Mom. you and you want, and you're going to continue with this episode or you want to press pause and you're watching us on YouTube, you want to press pause. You want to watch this movie. I want you to send us a message at Bucky'sBasement.com. Bucky will personally buy a bunch of uh, USB drives, <laughs> thumb drives, and I will download this onto these thumb drives, and All I will right. send it pause, to you. Pause, pause. Mom, you can have my bootleg copy. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't think you should be endorsing like piracy and uh, giving yeah, out. Yeah, we, like, don't, we don't do that's that. That's the only way to find a movie as great as this one. Sure, sure, sure. But let people figure that out themselves. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, so back to Nick Cage murdering someone someone within two minutes of this movie, right? Uh, It's considered self-defense, and he gets 22 months and 18 days in jail for self-defense. So there's got to be something like, you don't get two years for self-defense, right? I mean, your trial goes on that long. I don't know. Maybe, but... He he got convicted of manslaughter. They said that. because I mean, because he went, like, over the top beating that dude to death. Like, he could have knocked him him. out. Like, he could (laughs) have... Bonked his head on the railing, the like he did one time, and then that, just been done with it. That cat was way past unconsciousness. Yep. Yeah. So Nick Cage plays this guy named Sailor, and uh, he is dating Lula. Uh, apparently, before he went to prison, she was about seventeen or eighteen. She was uh, eighteen. Eighteen. Um, and now he's out of prison, twenty-two months and eighteen days days later. That's really where this movie kind of starts, right? And Lola is played. Lula. Lula. Or I keep calling her Peanut. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Uh, played by none other than... Laura Derns. Yes. Uh, there's no... <laughs> and are we going to talk that. about the Laura Derns? Yeah, see, that's... Laura Dern. Um, I love everything <laughs> about this character and yeah. this girl. I am attracted to her. I'm, like, hanging on by the just everything that she says. The waves okay. in her hair, her accent, her southern accent, like uh, among it's, other things. Dude, she is a mess. She She's is a such mess a mess of this movie. 
Like, I think of Laura Dern, <clears throat> and I looked it up, and I couldn't find very much that I remember her from. Jurassic Park. Jurassic right? Park. Yeah. And that's it for me. She was I in mean, that Star Wars movie. She married Ben Harper. <laughs> Did she? Yeah. I didn't know that. I asked Old Boy if uh, she was in Twister, and he and said, said, no, no that's Helen. That was Helen. <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, all right, let's just cut to the chase. We know why you're in love with Laura Derns, and it's because she is topless half this movie mm. and smoking cigarettes. Oh, my God. Oh, yep. We haven't even started that yet. Yeah, we haven't even talked about cigarettes yet, which is hard to believe because it's in every single second of this movie somebody is smoking. I mean, there's there's multiple times Nick Cage is smoking two cigarettes at once. Multiple times. I watched... Well, we'll talk about that. I watched this movie twice, and the second time I watched it, about halfway through, I was like, all right, I know what's going to happen. I started Googling how many cigarettes are smoked in mm. Wild at Heart, and nobody's done it yet, so I think I want to do it. Like, oh man! I think I want to come back, like watch this movie. Write down: Is it Willem Dafoe? Is it Laura Dern? Is it Nick Cage? Is it you know who's smoking the cigarette? And then how many times do they smoke cigarettes? Lord, I God! Mean, I mean, every yeah, every this, scene. This movie is about chain smoking uh, and traveling across the country. There is there's extreme violence. There's prison. There's sex. There's talk of rape, and then there's another murder within the first ten minutes of this movie. Yeah, I uh, the Laura Dern backstory that you get, like, okay, so you're introduced to her, she's screaming, you know that right. she's with uh, a sailor, sailor and she who's Nick Cage, and she waits for him in prison, she goes, picks him up from prison, and then they go to a hotel, the right. same hotel where he murdered the dude, right. like, yeah. literally right back there. So that's the last thing he saw before prison, the first thing he saw when he got out of prison, and they do their thing, and then you get this backstory uh, of Lula. And it right right off the bat, third movie in a row we've done rape. Um, yeah, I mean it's ta- yeah they're talking. Is about this her just being a raped. thing with Nick Cage movies at this point? I think it's just the thing with the '90s, man. Like the '80s yeah. and '90s, dude. This is slightly unrelated, but I was watching old school unsolved mysteries the other day, and one of the stats they had on there was one in three women would be sexually assaulted in their life. Jesus. And that was in the nine, like you know, yeah, early nineties or whatever. Yeah, those are the nineties episodes. So it's like fucking shit, man. Terrible. Odds. Like I knew it was bad, but man, one in three. Right. So that's why it's so prominent in all these movies, probably. Gotcha. It's a big yeah, thing. That's a good point. So it's a thing that one out of three women can identify. It's like a abduct, abducting kids and AIDS in the eighties. Depressing fact. Yeah. Uh, so. We get to this scene. Laura Dern picks him up and keeps moving. And then the next scene is probably one of my favorite of the movie. But this is where, like, the uh, adrenaline and cocaine, everything just starts for this movie. It's just, like, starts going absolute nuts. When they go to that club from Valley Girl? And that's when they go to the club from Valley Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Except a whole different band this time. It's gotten more kick-ass. Yeah. Um, and then this is when you're kind of introduced. You're, you're given about 10 minutes of, hey, this is probably what the movie's going to be about. Let's just test right. the waters here. And then let's go completely off the rails. But at the same time, let's introduce to you the most um, surprising and incredible soundtrack uh, from then on out for the rest of the movie. Oh, when yeah. the heavy metal hits and th- this prog metal or, or fast metal or whatever you want to call it, it just blows my mind. I'm like, we're in for a fucking whole different thing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It sets a tone. It does, and and it they, set the tone of the '90s, <laughs> right? And they and and so Sailor Nicholas Cage's character, um, I guess, uh, gets in a fight with a punk 
in the club, right? And I'm pretty sure it's played by a young Topher Grace. And Dude, he, <laughs> it looks yeah. kind of familiar, but yeah. It's not him, but it looked like him. And it's such a weird scene. And then he like he punks the guy. I fucking love that scene. Like that scene was the shit. Like the dude starts dancing up on his girl. Nicholas Cage throws up devil horns at the band. They just stop immediately. <laughs> and right. then he confronts that guy. And then sings a Elvis song. But before that, my I think one of my favorite things that this is why Laura I'm so in love with Laura Dern in this movie. And I I never thought I would be. And, and I will and never be she again. She wasn't even topless in this film. I, in, in, this, in this scene. This, scene yeah. this is the only thing is like when Nick Cage makes that guy apologize, she said, you know, like something like, It's all right, honey. You just bumped into the wrong girl. That's all. Right. And I'm just like, dude, Fucking, that's what you like. That's, that's my what girl. You say that's your that's your chick. Like it's just, and then go on because the next part of this whole scene, we go from metal band to whoa. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't think I wrote it down, but he's like turns to the band. He's like, "You guys got some of the same energy Big E had." And then he's right. like, "Do you know this song or whatever?" They start playing it. Elvis. They go from metal to crooner on a dime. Yeah. Right. And everybody and like women in the club are swooning over <laughs> Nick Cage doing a, a Elvis impression singing to Laura Dern. Yep. It's uh it's weird. It's just weird, dude. We haven't even gotten to The uh, band knows the Elvis jam. Yeah, the lead singer just jumps off the mic and goes back and starts playing the piano. Right. Is this in their heads or is this really happening? I, I don't think know. this is happening. You it, don't know. You don't know. Yeah, that's a very good point. I didn't think about it like so that. So I've got so many crazy like movie marriages because there's been so many movies I've seen like this that I'll get into later in the podcast. What we haven't brought to light yet uh, about Wild at Heart is the other story that's going on at the same right. time their story's going I'm on. I'm so glad you brought this up. Keep going. Um, so... The other character, main character in this movie is Lula's mom. Um, right. And she, and I said right off the bat, I wonder if the character Mother Firefly from the Rob Zombie movies is based off this oh, character. Oh, wow. Great point. Um, because I, her name's Diane Ladd in real life. She is a three-time Oscar-nominated uh, supporting actress once for Wild at Heart. Yeah. Dude. We an, an Oscar nominated best supporting actress. She for this role. Kills it. Dude, she's a fucking nut job. Nut job. Dude. I mean, great. She's also actually Laura Dern's mom. In real life. In real life. I, I didn't think I said <laughs> I think I saw that. Damn. Um, that is crazy. And that probably uh, played on the the likability of you know both of those or like yeah, the, huh. the chemistry that they had together on screen when they're arguing with each oh, other. Mama. Yeah. And so you think that relationship was something like that when she like, was might have up? been. I mean, you got probably Laura Dern coming up young, hot, tight, you know, and then you've got the mom who's fizzling out of Hollywood, and it wow. just like. Fizzling you know, out of Hollywood with the best supporting actress. Right, right. For this yeah, movie. She, to be fair to me, in my point, she didn't start getting best nominating actress, uh, whatever, uh, Oscars or nominations uh, until right before this movie, this movie, and after this movie. So like, I wonder later which on one in her career. I wonder if like the mom is like, hey, I got this really weird script and it's got like a daughter, mom-daughter role. You want to do this? And it's like, hey, let me read it. What's this about? And it's like, oh, it's fucking weird. Yeah, let's do it. I don't know. It, maybe that or maybe even David Lynch is like, yo, 
Yeah. I got these perfect parts for your mother, daughter. You should play. Yeah, you you ladies. I know you guys, and uh, you're perfect. I don't know. I would like to know the story behind that. That would be interesting. Yeah. So weird. for uh, you guys out there that haven't seen Wild at Heart but love listening to us talk about it, you know, so this character, the mo- Lula's mom, is trying to murder Nick Cage because she doesn't want him with her daughter. And she goes through all of these outlets to uh, try to get Nick Cage murdered because she doesn't want to do it herself. Outlet right. number, you know, outlet number one is the guy who um, likes her and is like very timid, but he's like a private detective or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so all right. To kind of just clarify things. All right. So Laura Dern's mother and father. Um, at some point in the past, her father is killed in an accident at their house where he's set on fire. I guess not an accident, right? Oh, it turns out the yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah. So he's burned alive inside their house. All right, so then after that, the mom kind of hooks up with, yeah, some kind of like dweeb and who financially supports her, I guess, maybe. Sure. And then, but she's also hooked up with this gangster. Yep. <sighs> I don't yeah. even know how to explain it. And they want to kill Nick Cage because he was a driver for the gangster and may have seen something he shouldn't have seen. Yeah, he saw the them burning the house down or whatever. Right. Yeah, killing the dad, basically. They didn't play the story very well. Let's be honest. On the story's this weak. Just I mean, on that one. Yeah. But knowing that um, when when the gangster, what's his name? Like Escobar? Santos. Or San- Santos, Santos yeah. right? Yeah. When Santos wants to kill the the other guy, I can't think of his name either the skinny dude the private detective guy yeah harry dean stanton i can't think of what his name is in this so when santos says that he's gonna kill sailor who's nick cage uh he also wants to kill the other guy and then she starts freaking out right she's she's like like using the other guy right she's romantically involved with him but not to the point where like and then three scenes three scenes later she has lipstick all over her face i mean it's uh, right And there's also a lot of allegories to The Wizard of Oz in this movie. Man, oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot is an understatement. It's like beat over your head, like every single scene, there's some kind of, they allude to. Exactly. And uh, I, I, I make I, some sort of reference. I cannot make any connections. Like right at the beginning when there's like all this fire and shit, there's a crystal ball and there's imagery of like witch, of a witch on a broomstick and it's like the mother, but it's like the witch from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yep shit like that but anyway dude not to not to hinder the story um because we want to move on with the yeah, ridiculousness Sa- sailor and lula basically know that they're not supposed to be together and they're like you know what fuck it we're gonna skip town and that's really where this road movie yeah. takes off yep uh the mom knows that they left and then sh- you know they start just staying in hotels and stuff like that going to you know places at night but they run into all these uh, tricky little situations, and that's they, they turn into these crazy things that you don't even think about as a human. Like you're <laughs> like, where the fuck did this come from? Uh, right. I guess they're going to California, right? But they're yeah. But they they somehow make their way to New Orleans first, and they they do, and they they end up in the kind of a, a shittier hotel. But they they have a lot of conversations in this movie, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of st- like bedside talk or pillow side talk or whatever. Right. Like they have sex, they smoke cigarettes, and then they Lots. talk about stories in their so past. So many cigarettes, right? right. I mean, yeah. it's just like that seems to be the recurring theme here. I, we're going to have sex or we're going to go out, then we're going to have sex, then we're going to 
talk about gonna, some kind of random thing that happened in their past, you know, in the bed after sex. But we're going to smoke cigs through the whole thing. Some character development that is strange as shit. Yeah. So the one of the first, uh, I wrote this down, 23 minutes and 39 seconds into this movie, one of the greatest things or one of the greatest conversations happens to me or happens for me in this movie. And it has to do with, again, the theme of this movie is cigarettes, right? So they're talking about cigarettes, and right. uh, this is how the conversation went. I was thinking about smoking, actually. My mama smokes Merritt's now. Used to be she smoked Viceroy's. I started stealing them from her in about sixth grade. When did you start smoking, Sal? I guess I started smoking when I was about four. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that is a, th- this is, fuck. that is Nick Cage. Like, if you can define Nick Cage in any of the movies we've watched oh, so far, goodness. that is Nick Cage. Look, we all have children in this room, right? right. I currently have a six-year-old. Uh, a Juice Box has a five-year-old and, and a three-year-old. Two. Two. Okay. So, right in the middle of that. Can you imagine... But the the age average between your two children right now smoking yeah. cigarettes. No, I, I would never hurt a child, but I would slap a child if I saw a four year old smoking a cigarette. I don't. I don't even and know the if, parent. I don't know if they would know how to smoke a cigarette. I've got a six year old, right? Sixty six and a half. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I can't yeah. see that. I yeah. don't know. That's. It's, I think. I think the difference is he's right after that. He says his mom died from emphysema when he was like a kid, like from when he was like six or something like that. So apparently right. his mom was always smoking in front of him anyway. And his dad died from an alcohol-related disease. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, so that's just the start. Again, 23 minutes into this movie, we've already seen so much. And like just conversations like that, I'm like, whoa. Because we're going to later get into Jingle Dale, and I'm just... It, your your hand, like head is just on the ground. So, all right, so Sailor and Lula are on the road. They're skipping town. you got the homeboy that's kind of following after them. Mm-hmm. And then the mom contacts her gangster, her gangster boyfriend, Santos, and he calls some hitmen. He calls this dude named Mr. Reindeer, all right? Now, Mr. Reindeer is some dude who, <laughs> awesome. hires these, he, great yeah, who hires these assassins to kill Nick Cage. Um, he's He answers the phones <laughs> with some topless chicks. <laughs> no, All right, and in this weird scene, he's like, answers the phones with these topless chicks. And one of them has a silver tray sitting beside him. And I swear to God, it's got a it's got like a thing of Pepto-Bismol sitting there on the thing, which is funny to me because later when he's on the phone he is on the shitter yeah. with the topless chick dancing dancing on him and i'm like man like what is david lynch trying oh, to tell me he's, here? he's sitting there drinking a cup of coffee taking right. a shit talking on the phone while she's like dancing in front of him right but earlier one of one of the topless chicks had some pepto-bismol on the silver tray and i'm like what is he trying to tell me here what's his what's the message here about mr reindeer I don't know, but Mr. Reindeer. His bowel problems, He's clearly. my favorite character. Later in the movie, you see him hosting this big dinner party. Right. And there's just these girls fighting butt naked in the background. Yeah. yeah. Like, way in the background. You're like, what is going on? Dude, and Happy Gilmore's grandmother's a madam for Mr. Reindeer. Yes. He's also yes. like, wow. Like, cool. She really degraded in movies. Happy but. Gilmore's grandma. That's the greatest. <laughs> Everybody knows where I do yeah. that. Yeah, you do. 
You do. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, so we get the mom chasing on one part of this story, and we get Lula and Sailor, you know, running on the other part of the story. Not necessarily running. They don't think anybody's chasing after them. No, They're just they, trying I, to get to California. I thought they did know, or they, they at least know. I looked it up. His name is Johnny Fairgood. Fairgood, yeah. Well, so they, they knew he was after him, but they go to try to find out if he has a hit on him, I guess, right? Right. Like, she goes to Rosa, or uh, what's her name? Um, Isabella Rosalini. Isabella Rosalini. And I guess there's some relationship there. So Nick Cage is like, hey, is there a hit out on me? And she's like, nope. But it's clearly, we find out later it is. You know, she's, she's got something about her, too. I mean, it's not the unibrow, but uh, it's, I mean, there's just, uh, yeah, there's something there, right? And she's very, I don't know, how do you say, it? provocative or like, uh, there is something mysterious or like, you know, yeah. I mean, she, she does a very good job. So we're in New Orleans. Playing a creep. Yeah, we're in New Orleans. Another bar, another sex scene, um, and then or a sex scene, and then a bar. It seems like they either have sex and go out, or they go out and have sex, or maybe yeah. both. Um, but the, there's a guy in a bar that's one of the things that just floored me in this movie because there's a lot of things that'll catch you off so guard. And you're like, what up? Yep. There's this guy in the bar that just starts talking, and then he just has this like <laughs> golem accent, and then just starts like chirping. Like yipping it, at people. Yep. Yes, and the the whole conversation is in like a a golem from Lord of the Rings accent, yeah. right? And, and the weird yeah. thing about this whole scene is like Nick Cage and Laura Dern or uh, Sailor and Lula just look at him like he's talking normal. Like it, it's just like another person to encounter. I'd be like, what the fuck you, is this guy doing? Do you think it's like their mindset that like they're so wasted they're just like. Hmm. You know what I mean? This guy reminded me of the guy who got struck by lightning in the great outdoors. <laughs> in, the, in the bar. It's just like it, it, it was such a weird role. But this is David Lynch shit. That's what I was going to say. I think there's some shit in this movie that is just David Lynch just to be David Lynch. Right. Like there's just in his movies, there's just weird fucking characters just dropped in for no reason, no explanation, no anything. Just right. like. Maybe after the third take, he was like, hey, I want you to do this, but do it in a dog yip. So then we go uh, back for sex again. Bar, sex, bar, sex. Yep. Kind of getting Sigs on theme here. Sigs. Sigs and sex. Uh, so we're back at another uh, stop in this movie for another story. We're, we're back at the hotel room, and this is about 40 minutes into the movie. I put down Nick Cage is literally has the balls. No, he's telling this in the bar. That's right. He has the balls to tell this graphic sex story with an ex to Lula, his current girlfriend, in a way that she's not mad, but turned on. Right. And this is totally Nick fucking Cage. Like, uh, yeah. I, no, well, I don't know if it's totally Nick Cage, but I think it's just part of the character. It's part of their dynamic, right? Like, yeah. And I don't think, I think it's like a one night stand. It's like a, it's just a hookup. I don't think it's like some other ex-girlfriend. I think he's just like, yeah, I slept with this chick and I did this. And an- and one of my favorite parts of the story is she wouldn't suck me. And <laughs> like the way he said that, I was right. just like, this is not how we talk. Yeah. I don't think that's how anybody talked in the 90s. But if maybe. you're in a David Lynch film, that's how you talk. And then, and then Laura Dern's reaction to, oh, she didn't know what she's missing or something like that. I'm just right. like, uh, yes, Laura, yeah. yes. The yeah. whole movie, I'm cheering her on. That's right. What her next line is like, you better take me back to the hotel because I'm hotter than Georgia asphalt. That's yep. right. 
Damn. And that's cheesy, but for 1990, that works. Uh, Especially with her accent and just everything. I I can't express this enough. You know what it is. Uh, Laura Dern is topless halfway, like in half the movie. Sure, but that story that I just told, or uh, sorry, that Nick Cage told about the girl that he used to be with. Right. uh, There is a classic line in here that... You know, we have to play for you because you can't pass this story up without another Nick Cageism. Sure. Uh, let's, let's have it. Ma'am, I had a boner with a capital O. Okay, so they're back at the hotel and or wherever they're staying. And then uh, we get, again, I think this movie is now is made up with three different sectors, right? You've got the mom story, you've got Nick Kate or uh, Sailor and Lula running. The couple. But then all of these backstories deserve a story because that's where all the fun comes in this movie. Yeah. Because right. the next thing is Lula's turn and it seems like they go back and forth and Lula's turn is to tell the... Um, story of Jingle Dale. Story of Jingle Dale. Which what? My note says, what the fuck? Crispin Glover, the perfect role for this guy. My I, no, my note says Crispin Glover should be in more movies, <laughs> dude. I don't know. Man. And I wrote down who thinks of this shit so much is happening. Um, it's so strange. I don't even know how to describe it. Laura Dern tells this backstory about her uncle, who is a year long Santa. Right, he wants to be right. Santa all year long, so he he wears a Santa costume even in the summer mental when he's illness. sweating. He has a mental illness, and Christmas is obviously his favorite time of year. But the thing goes off the rails. I mean, it it's cool at first. I'm like, all right, I got this this uncle that likes Santa or whatever, and then the the cutting up the sandwiches or the sandwich meat scene and yeah. just the craziness of Crispin Glover's <sighs> acting the roach this, on the on his anus oh yeah. the roaches <laughs> in his underwear like he plants roaches in his under like this all lasts for a minute and a half in yeah. this movie and it just it's so memorable and that's the only time this it, this whole thing is brought up it's never brought up again in this movie just right. a random flashback of an uncle who dresses as Santa. Ugh. I was so hoping that we were going to get some sort of like callback to that. Like, because he just Later. disappears. I was hoping they were going to like stumble across Jingle Dale somewhere. Because you're right. It was a minute and a half long. And Crispin Glover was like the fifth build person in this movie. Like, right. That's wow. true. It's that Back to the Future fame. Yeah, I guess I don't so. know, man. Was it, it was, before Ratatouille? Didn't he do Ratatouille or something like that? No, it's Patton Oswalt. But uh, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think I feel uh, like Crispin Glover but, was a rat at some point. I, I could be wrong, but like I don't know. This just kind of goes back to like David Lynch's whole theme. His whole theme is very like American suburbia desperation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's just because like really when I was watching those scenes, I was really looking at his wife and his wife is just kind of like, well, just dealing with it. It's like, it, I don't know. It's just so, uh, I don't know the word for it. It's, it's desperation is what it feels like. Anyway, uh, it's sorry. off the wall and it, it takes you by surprise. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we can continue moving through this because, you know, we, we want to get it done. Uh, but Nick Cage, like, so we're we're going on, right? They're moving down the road. They end up in this roadside motel. Hold um, on. Yeah. We got to hold on. Yes. Before we talk about that, we got to talk about the scene where they come across the car wreck. 
Yes. When they're driving in the middle of the night and it's like dark all around them, that's when that fucking wicked game comes on. Oh, and it's yeah. like they're just cruising and talking and they start they see all the uh clothes in the middle of the highway. Right. They pull over and find that car wreck. Dude, that that scene, I don't know why, but it is like so memorable to me. That that chick that's like yeah. has the head injury and is just like basically dying and walking around like talking nonsense. She's in Mulholland Drive too, I think. Um She was in Twin Peaks also. In Twin Peaks also. Yeah, dude. It's it's bizarre. It sticks out. It's it's wild. Yeah. She's I like, love yeah. I love that scene. I love the lead up to it too because it's like I mean, you guys can clown me, but that Chris Isaac song is like perfect in this movie. Like it is just the, it's got that haunting like intro or whatever. And they're driving through the, like the desert or whatever. And she see, looks out and sees the wicked witch, like flying next that's to the right. car. Yep, that's Dude, right. It's Her like, mom. He, and Nick Cage does that backflip out of that car. <laughs> True. Uh, that, that was impressive. That do you, was a Chris Isaac song big before that movie or, yeah. At the same time. Was it? They paid money for that song? It was uh, probably I, I would both. assume yeah, maybe both. I don't know. I mean that that song was super huge because remember the video? It was just like with the topless chick the whole time. The whole oh, time. Yeah. 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 I really like the video. Yeah. <laughs> On the beach, right? Yeah. With the Yeah, you know the video. Sheets and stuff. Yeah. Uh <laughs> sand. So we, we move past that scene and then they end up in another roadside motel. Um, that's where, you know, a little bit more craziness happens, but we're introduced to another one of the biggest characters in the movie. Uh, but they go to this roadside motel. There's that weird thing with the uh, cowboy guy uh, around. Every, Bobby Peru? Yeah, all the dudes around the fire and the right. cowboy guy. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then we meet Willem Dafoe. Right. And but you know right they, before we meet Willem Dafoe. They smoke cigs. They smoke a ton of cigs. <laughs> But there are three um, heavy set topless dancers in a trailer park that Willem Dafoe just comes out of the back of. Like it was like his right. intro. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like looking at these women dancing, and they're they're these larger women. They're topless, and then he just kind of just fades in. Like he it, just like out of nowhere. You're just like you're you're clearly not looking at where he's coming from, and he's just there. Correct. It's incredible. And he's a I, scene I've watched stealer. that three times now, and yeah. that scene. Because you do not see where he's coming in, and he's right in front of you the whole time. Yeah. It's, it is distraction. It's classic distraction. Dude, yep. real quick, they were making a porno. Those were porn stars because oh, they okay. said they were making a porno oh. Texas style or something like that. Oh, okay. That is right. Uh, they must have been on a smoke break. Um, uh, right right then, I've got you know about, about 40 minutes left other than the fact that, no, Nick Cage still has to, you know – Come under Willem Dafoe, like you'll tell it. It's Willem Dafoe is the best dude ever. I mean, his character, Bobby is Peru, like Bobby Peru. He's got some fucked up teeth, but he is awesome. The Still teeth turned me off so much. I couldn't tell if there were braces at first, and then that's realized, what I thought initially. But no, no, man, He's rotten little tiny teeth, and they're distracting too. How do you get ahead in life with a set of teeth like that? Charisma. Like, was he he- ahead in life? Yeah, he <laughs> was ahead of his trailer park. You make it, you yeah. make it up in fucking charisma, my man. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do. I was so confused about Bobby Peru because they were talking about him being in Vietnam and shit and like are we to assume this movie takes place in 1990 or 1989 or something yeah, like that I think so it just didn't seem like the 
that lined up. Like it seemed like he should have been older or something if he was in Vietnam. And that's a good. I mean, it's a good point, but I, I think those people. Yeah, that's probably that's probably about right. Um, I, I this this is the part in the movie where I wrote a note that I think fits right in. Um, do you remember the scene in the movie The Shining where the furry is blowing that guy in the hotel room? <laughs> yeah. yeah. David Lynch movies are two hours of just that. <laughs> it's true. That's it. That's true because David that Lynch. one scene in The Shining shouldn't have never have existed. It's fucking bizarre and David Lynch movies are nothing but that. Yeah. That is right, true. Like just random things that like you didn't expect yeah. that like, came whoa, out of nowhere. What the fuck was that? But they were memorable, right? <laughs> Willem Dafoe comes in, tells this weird, like, like story. Right. I mean, in this little campfire that they're all sitting around at this, you know, roadside motel. Right. They're all, everybody's friendly somewhat. And then, you know, the he comes in, tells all this, and then starts talking about, well, I've got to go, I, I'm not going to repeat it because it's right. disgusting. But then he goes off, Right. Nick Cage and, or sorry, uh, Sailor and Lula go back to the hotel room. Right. To the, probably the start of the peak of the biggest news, you know, for the rest of the, the movie. The turning point, yeah. The turning point, which is she hands him a piece of paper that says, I'm pregnant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this is where my, one of, an, another one of my favorite, just thrown out of the blue, they're, sm- they're chain smoking cigarettes through this whole movie. This is the first time I've ever seen anybody <laughs> in my life, ever, Take two cigarettes at once, <laughs> light them both, and smoke it after hearing the news that your girlfriend's pregnant. And I'm thinking he's smoking for Laura Derns too, right? Is that is the that whole it? point? It's got to be it, right? Like, well, well, now she's I smoking smoke. while she's telling him though. Oh, is she? Fuck. Well, uh, that I bet she gone. smokes after that. Okay, so let me go back to uh, when my wife told me that she was pregnant. <laughs> I was a little bit intoxicated because I'd came from a Titans game. She decided to tell me at like four fifteen, four forty-five. The game ended at three. Uh, I got back home and I was just hammered drunk, sitting on the couch, watching more football. And she comes in with this little, you know, uh, onesie and gives it to me and basically, you know, implies that, you know, she's pregnant. You're going to be a father. I swear to God, I Nick caged it outside for the next like three <laughs> double, hours. Did like, you I, smoke two cigarettes? cigarettes. I immediately, I gave her a hug. I got up. She went about her day. I went outside and just chain smoked. Two cigarettes Damn. at a time until I could wrap my head around what had just happened. Man, that's so crazy. I understand Nick Cage in this movie. It's heavy. and his reaction. So that's the first and not only time we see two cigarettes smoked at the same time. It's double yeah. smokes here on out. It really is. Is it really though? Because not, not completely, not but completely, there are but a he, couple of times. He definitely. So does. I only noticed it when anytime there like a kid comes up again, like when he's in prison and she writes him a letter about his kid. You might be right. Yeah. He's, he like lights up two cigs there when, he, when he's, he's in prison. It's there. like anytime the kid is comes up, he starts double smoking. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Interesting. All right. So all right. So we we've gone over the mom. She's still chasing. Nothing ever happens. Right. They get away. Let's. Right. Let, I mean, let's just cut to the end of the movie. Willem Dafoe plays an inter- incredible character, but there's a big point before the end of the movie where um, the Willem Dafoe's demise is well, one of the greatest things I've seen. Bobby Peru. Bobby Peru. Right. Uh, hits up the hotel, catches Laura Derns alone, and then like. Does, I don't know. Do we have to go into that? Should no, we go into that? It's incredible. He deserves everything that he gets. Right. I mean, he's a creep and it's weird. She's kind of into it. And then 
But basically, see, that's that like trauma, though, man. That, that's right. Not into so, it. That scene is so disturbing. She's not into it. She's not into it. I don't know. I think it's like a ta- it uh, yeah. I don't know. I man. don't know, man. I, 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 I think don't it's know like either. A weird uh, victim. Uh, but he also doesn't go through with it. He's more like yeah, look. He goes and, through with something. Yeah. Look at his teeth. Like that's all you gotta look at. <laughs> I, uh, anyway, all right. So basically, Bobby Peru, Willem Dafoe, knows that Nick Cage Sailor is desperate for some cash. He's like, "Listen, we got a job. Let's go rob this bank." And mm-hmm. uh, talks him, talks Nick Cage into doing a job with him. But unbeknownst to Nick Cage, he's also Willem Dafoe's also working with the assassins to kill yep. Nick Cage. It's a it's a weird plot. But anyway. So then they go to rob the bank. Mm-hmm. All right. So they ro- they roll up into this shit town um, with a panty when a pan- with a panty on your head. Big tuna Texas. Big tuna Texas with a panty on your head. Right. Yep. Got Which, panties on their head. That's a, <laughs> okay. Then. That's a one thing that I can't get over is that doesn't block shit. No, it just makes you look super creepy, dude. It <laughs> makes Willem Dafoe look like oh lord. Dude, yeah. Dude, if like if if I ever saw that cat, like walking around, I'd fucking run. Mm, that, so you still see exactly who it is. You do. Well, you see those teeth, but dude, he, dude, he's he is super fucking creepy. So they go into the bank. Um, their driver is the Isabella Rossellini chick, and they, and, yeah. and so Sailor already knows something's up. Like okay, and then they go in there, and then the double cross takes place. I don't even know how to describe. It. I don't know if I want to spoil it. It fucking shocked me. It shocked me. The violence shocked me. I was sure. like, my, my only note is whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like Completely whoa. Agree. What the fuck? Um, it the double cross is great. The, the uh, well, you you kind of expected it. I mean, when, right? You as the viewer expect it. I feel like even Nick Cage expects it. Yeah, like, he knew something was up because even before like. He knows that something's up before he even gets picked up because he's like talking to himself, like you know, right? Um, and he's not using the Elvis accent. He's talking to himself like in a normal like voice, Nick like Cage what do you like? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? But then uh, comes Willem Dafoe's demise because Nick Cage obviously escapes the situation. Right. And it all goes to shit real quick because the cop shows up conveniently. Sure. Yeah. And the the. God, the shotgun to the head. I, dude, the only thing I could write was, whoa, Willem Dafoe gets shot, trips, blows his own head off, and it is amazing. And yeah, not only a- blows his own head off, I mean, they just basically took his head and his spine, ripped it out of the rest of his body, threw it against a wall, and then bounced it on the ground. It's amazing. I looked it up, man. There's like, um, apparently it was a little more graphic initially, and they were going to get a... Oh, they, they were going to get a, there wasn't an NC 17 rating at this point. So they were going to get like rated X or something oh, crazy damn. like that because it was More so graphic? insanely violent. But if you, I mean, if you watch it again, like when it, it actually happens, when his head's actually blown up, it's covered in smoke a whole lot. So they made him go back and put in like this superimposed smoke and like, yeah. Damn. Because it, apparently it was like even more graphic initially. It fucking shocked me. It, yeah. It shocked me, dude. Like, he trips, blows his own head off, and it's like, oh, my God. Yep. 
And then, uh, awesome. so Nick Cage is the other robber in that. He's smart. He dives on the ground, puts his hands behind his back, goes says, to jail, right? He's done fuck. it before, 22 no, months. 22 months. He's done it plenty of times in Raising Arizona. What's another, what's another little fucking <laughs> right. thing, Dude, right? I'll chain smoke six. That's it, because our, the, the only other two notes I have left are the very last note of the movie, and Nick Cage is back in jail, double six again. Uh, I mean, just double smoking cigarettes. Um, and then what happens? Um, he gets out of jail. Right. And, and, and the love me tender ending. <laughs> well, right. Well, the, not quite. He hooks. All right. So his girl, Laura Derns, waits six years with the kid. And as soon as he meets the kid, he's like, you know what? I think I'm good. <laughs> like, Pretty yeah. much. Like, you know what? Y'all got this. Y'all been doing it for six years. Y'all don't really know. I'm going to hit the fucking road, smoke some cigs. And and that's about it. And um and I think hear me out. I think the supply of this movie is bad parenting. <laughs> <laughs> there are some bad parents in this movie for sure. Yeah, that mother. That mother is that a bad mother. parent. She only wants what's best for her daughter. Does I don't she? I don't understand that. The whole she's the worst. Trying to get Nick Cage in the stall in the beginning of the movie. Um Well like all right, so so Nick Cage. The Gets language she uses, the oh, situational she's terrible, thing. Dude, she's terrible. We didn't even go into the assassination of her like love interest. So he gets out of prison, hooks up with Laura Derns and the kid, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Leaves, insults some homosexual gang members, and then gets roughed up, and then has a Glinda Goodwitch what the fuck moment from Wizard of Oz. Glinda the Goodwitch comes down and is like, hey, you should rethink life. Gets up. Like runs across some car, has a streetcar named Desire moment where he screams her name, and then r- damages a bunch of cars. Gets to her and sings "Love Me Tender," which he's he doesn't sing for anybody. Roll credits. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but roll you credits it. during the song too. During which was the song, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. You have to watch the entire credits during the like hearing Nick Cage sing. Um, and it's him singing. For sure. Which so, wasn't bad, but it's not great. I mean, so that's the movie. You guys have seen it. If you haven't seen it, you need to go out there and find it. Uh, again, I, Use all I'm, your skills. Yeah, I, use your skills. It's not easy. And if all else fails, uh, Bucky1201 at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up. I'll send you a USB drive, and let's do this together. Damn. Because now what we're going to get into is a couple of different segments about the movie that you guys love that we do every single time we do a casting cage uh, the first one is a uh, movie marriage it's where we take two movies and we kind of uh, make them uh, lock themselves in a room or a New Orleans hotel room or however you want. Uh, they get together and they have a movie that is what we just watched, which is David Lynch's 1990 right. film Wild at Heart. So, old boy, you got a movie marriage this week? I do. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, instead of a movie marriage, I'm going to say Laura Derns gives birth to two movies, and it is True Romance and Natural Born Killers. Like, that baby they had in this movie gives birth to those two movies, because I don't think you could make those two movies without this movie. No. I I don't think you could make a lot of movies without this movie, and I agree with you on that. Right. Juicebox? So I had True Romance, and I also had Natural Born Killers at first. But then uh, Bucky brought up a good point that he not mentioned. Killers. Well, no, 
He mentioned the movie California, and I was like, "Oh, oh man, okay, yeah, yeah." So yeah. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to steal yours, but man, no. I, I feel like that's another like road trip type movie uh, with you're two right. fucked up people. It uh, clearly had you. Were, you remember quotes from that movie, right? Uh, yeah, put your titty up, Dale. Put your titty up, eh, Dale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt is incredible. Uh, that is my movie marriage. <laughs> Lewis my movie incredible. marriage is Natural Born Killers in the movie California with a K. It was uh, yeah. David Duchovny and Brad Pitt and, and Juliet Juliet Lewis. Lewis. Dude, that movie was it. It wasn't as big as I thought. I mean, it was like straight to DVD or maybe not. No, it, it, no, it right. hit it theaters. Not to I agree. DVD. But, but like a, it, it gained popularity in the DVD realm. It's I, a I it, like. it's a subversion of the movies we're talking about. But I like what you said: Natural Born Killers and what um, True Romance, True, True romance, romance, all of those movies. Because you have none Elvis of, influence. Like, California Natural Born Killers, r- r- True Romance. None of this shit would have existed right. without Wild at Heart. None of it. Right. It's the most like True Romance, though, man. Right. There's and so many true. parallels. And and yeah, what's up with the Elvis thing? So I want I wrote down like at the beginning of the movie, he's not talking like Elvis. Like when a, when the mom comes in the bathroom or whatever, and she's talking right. to him, he's talking like a normal person. Right. When he's like pep talking himself or you know saying like Why am I doing this? Right before he goes to the with Bobby Peru to rob the place, he's, he's talking in a normal voice. Good point. He's talking in a normal voice. Uh, God, maybe when he's in jail, there's another point in time where he's talking in a normal voice, and it's just like he's putting on this Elvis thing. For Lula or okay. something. All right. All right. Yeah. I can, okay. So it's a it's a thing, I guess. Okay. Cool. So another uh, uh, segment that we have on Bucky's Basement Casting Cage is tagline. It's where we have the original tagline from the movie. We read it and then we create our own taglines based mm-hmm. on what we thought um, is a good, you know sentence for a movie yeah or, or a yeah, tagline, yeah. Right? the original all right so the original tagline for this movie is wild at heart a film by david lynch all right which is how, not how a good you be that simple right like like come like, on they could do that with anything like should we give an example of a better tag tagline like titanic or something what, what was the tagline for ta- titanic it's going made by down james anyway. cameron <laughs> <laughs> a film <laughs> yeah there you go does anybody want to go first? I'll All go right. first. Go All for right. it. Wild at heart. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these, are, mean, these are all going to be the same thing. All right. Um, <clears throat> wild at heart. Them Laura Derns. <laughs> I, Laura Derns is so topless in this movie. Oh, I, I've replaced the word titties in my head with just Laura Derns. So from now on, I'm like, good. good that is Laura true. Derns. That's um, it. Them Laura Derns. All right. So I, <laughs> I, I have one which was. Uh, I'm sorry. Wild at heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Wild at heart. David Lynch does Wizard of Oz. Wild at heart. You got a light? <laughs> so stupid. All right, next we are going to get on to rating our, our ratings of Wild at Heart. We have a three-tier rating system here at ba- Bucky's Basement, and uh, we're excited. I'm going to get things kicked off um, because I 
we've done this. We've we've watched some Nick Cage movies. I've never seen any of these except Raising Arizona, and I have a feeling we're about to get into right. the '90s movies that I've seen. Some, uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the movies I've seen, some I haven't. But this blew me away. Like Vampires Kiss, like Time to Kill. Like I'm on a roll here, right? These <laughs> these are movies that have been Time entertaining and. Sole reason alone, you take Nick Cage's acting out of this, and but I love his character. He's just starting to wear, like, not wear on me, grow on me, right? He's the same thing in every movie to me. Laura Dern's character in this, her accent, everything Wardrobe. about her, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm just, I, I'm blown away. Uh, Willem same. Dafoe's character, like everything in this movie. Yeah, I, it, it's yeah. He's awful damn good. I think I got the best one. This is the best. This, this is a I top agree. rating for me. This is a top. I can watch this over and over, and I, 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 I teetered on the line of telling you guys that I would almost prefer this movie over, over Ra- Raising Arizona. I mean, mm. I I give it my art. Right, I'm gonna give it the same rating. I'm giving it my top tier rating. I'm, I'm not gonna hit the button, but it's uh, I, I didn't see it twice. I. I would watch it again. I'm a bit. I'm a fan. You I should it watch good. it again. Yeah, I you definitely I, should. I was a fan because I watched it twice, and I'm gonna. Yeah, he's awful damn good. I think I got the best one. I'm gonna go ahead and hit that rating again, yeah. just because. Because man, this movie was awesome. Like I watched it the, the first time I watched it through. I was like, this movie is pretty good. It's kind of weird. It's pretty good. But when I watched it through a second time, it was like, okay, it just clicked for me. It was like this is kind of a masterpiece. As long as you're like in the right mindset to watch it, you right? Know what I'm saying? Yeah, you fuck a mindset. I think I could be sitting there on a Sunday afternoon after I've gone to like a football game and my kids are playing their screen somewhere else, and I'm just laying on the couch, vegged out, and watching something like Wild at Heart. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm, I guess, I'm more thinking about like it'd be a tough sell for me to get my wife to watch this. True. Yeah. You know, like I'd right. have, she would have to be ready in the right mentality or be in the right mindset to watch this movie. Right. I mean, we're in the mindset because we're just watching Nick Cage movies all the time. Now. Sure. And, yeah. I feel like it's on the verge of uh, horror at times. I feel like it's on the verge of like psychotic. Dude. Like yeah, there's just psychotic. so many themes here. There's comedy. There's drama. There's that, uh, murder. There's, you know, everything. Speaking like, of murder, that couple that takes out uh, Johnny, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. The the private detective. That couple is the mm. be, like the peak weirdness of the movie, right? Sure. Like, yes. <laughs> that guy smiling and putting that silver dollar up to his eye. Yeah. Like I was just so bizarre, dude. It really is. I also think real quick, I think there's a Nick Cage stick thing he does when we first get to the hotel room after they have sex and she's talking about the rape and he's balancing that radio on his foot. Yep. Um, that's got to be, be a Nick Cage thing, right? I don't think that was called for in the movie. I think it's a complete Nick Cage. For thing. sure. But why? Yeah. Cause it's, because it's, it's just something. Thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to balance this on my foot, okay? So do you guys think, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Do you think this movie was a success? Um, no. No, not at the box office. There's There can't be. Do you have a guesstimate of like how much it made in its opening How much weekend? did it cost to make? It costs nine point five million to make. Well, I, I bet it was a success. I bet it made twenty. I'm going thirteen. An opening weekend, two point nine million dollars. Oh, that's that's a failure. It only made fourteen million dollars 
total. Overall. Was anybody yeah. out there promoting this? I mean, you, well, obviously this Chris is pre, this is pre Jurassic Park. Laura Dern. So, so, sure, sure, but yeah, how when did Jurassic Park come out? Like ninety three. Gosh, so it wasn't even that much later than that she was in that. That's wild. Here's some of the reasons why it might not have done so well at the box office. All Here's right. what else was playing that opening weekend that it opened. Okay. The number one movie that came out that week, The Exorcist Three. Goes. Oh, is that the, yeah, that's a that's a that's a solid is that a Exorcist big movie. It, it, it it's a solid Exorcist movie. If I don't know that. if I've seen it honestly, dude. It's got that one scene that's woo. All right. So anyway, that was the number one movie. Number two was Ghost. Three Flatliners, four yeah. My Blue Heaven, um, Air America, which I think that's a Mel Gibson Mel movie, Gibson, right? Yeah. Uh, Problem Child, Young Guns Two, Die Hard Two, Arachnophobia. Oh, you're not fucking with Jungle any Book, of those movies. Days of Thunder, Pretty Woman. I was seeing all Young these movies. All these movies are in the movie theater at that time. Damn, I how was seeing that. How was that? That's, you were seeing Days of Thunder. I was seeing Arachnophobia. I, I was seeing, seeing. It's a huge thing. Days Problem of Child. Th- Problem Child. There's no way they were all in the same same time. Said open all in the theater at the same time. They didn't all come out the, that weekend, but like it the, wasn't the opening weekend. Was, but gotcha. those, all those movies were in the theater at that time, and they were all. Um, I saw a lot of those movies. Wild at Heart was number ten. Oh, man. Um, all right. So we have had a lot of fun. In, uh, it was awesome. Know, diving into Wild at Heart because we love doing this. It, it expands our minds. We hope it expands yours. We hope it encourages you to go out and watch as many Nick Cage films as yeah. possible. So you can listen to these uh, episodes with an educated uh, palate. I, I have no idea. Well, you at least that. get our take on it. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. But well, we want you and to you start to understand Nick Cage a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have a, even after only watching however many movies we have, Same. what, like six or seven, like I have a completely different opinion on him than I did when we first started yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Of this and we're point. not even to his Oscar-winning movie yet. Exactly. Dude, we're just to 1990. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're going to come back to, on the next Casting Cage is a 1991 film called Zandali. Uh, it stars... I no ja- idea. Nicolas Cage and Judge Reinhold with a creepy mustache. Sweet. Um... I don't know much about this except it says it is an erotic thriller. <laughs> so uh, we could be in for a treat. Uh, there is your, you know, so your, your cover photo. So, so oh boy, you you might be in, you know, to I'm this. I'm halfway one. in. So what? Yep. How do y'all think if if uh, Judge Nelson had been in this movie? <laughs> Jud, Judd, Nelson. Judd Nelson. If Judd Nelson had been in this movie, how do you think it would have been? Man, I don't know. I don't think he could pull it off. I don't. It would be. Uh, it, I don't understand how him and Cage were up for similar roles because they're such different actors. It feels like. Right, but I think he could do. I think he belongs. I think David Lynch. He belongs in a David Lynch film. I think he could do something. I think he'd be a good, a good character. Him doing an Elvis accent. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, would, there wouldn't have been a snakeskin jacket in this movie. You're that's right. That's, sure. that's right. You're right. We'd have missed that. You're right. You're right. He owned it, man. Nick Cage owned it. You guys, thank you guys for listening so much. And we, you know, we're back every single week with different types of episodes. Tell your mama and them. <laughs>